0: Welcome to the StatMed Podcast, where we teach you how to study in med school and how to pass board-style exams. Your host is Ryan Orwig, a learning specialist who has over a decade of experience working with med students and physicians. In this two-part episode, Ryan and Dr. Jim Colhane discuss test-taking on medical boards and in the med school and PharmD classroom. About natural phenomena. Uh, And, you know, as science evolved over the centuries, we were able to prove and disprove some of that. Um, And I think what you what's so brilliant about what you've done here, at least from my perspective, is that you've taken thousands and thousands of hours, right, of observing medical students, taking tests, the types of mistakes that they make, you know, and then and looking at questions, lots of board style questions and really logically rationalizing out the system. It, it just, it comes through very clearly when you're taking this course. Very,
1: yeah, yeah, very yeah. really codifying. Hey, this is Ryan Orwig with StatMed Learning Podcast, where we talk about studying time management and test taking in med school on medical board exams and in related fields like veterinary medicine and PharmD programs. Today, I'm going to talk about some specifically nuanced stuff about test taking with my friend Jim Colhane. Jim, go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: Hi, Ryan. Thanks again for having me on the podcast. Uh, For those of your listeners who haven't uh, heard me uh, speak with you before, my name is uh, Jim Colhane. I am Assistant Dean for Student Academic Success Programs at Notre Dame of Maryland University School of Pharmacy. I'm also a professor of pharmacology and have been teaching in pharmacy education for 25 years.
1: Absolutely. And and you and I talk a lot about just the science of reading and learning and how we can intervene with our med students, with our PharmD students, with our physicians, how we can intervene instructionally. And you and I have been talking for years about the study side of intervention. That's that's how we met over 10 years ago, me coming up to to Baltimore, working with some of your uh, pharmacy students, just trying to give enrichment and you know, taking them through the various study methodologies that we really yeah. emphasize those, in those early years. But just recently, you've, uh, you know, sort of opened the doors to looking at some of my very dense, very meticulously set up test taking. And when I talk about test taking, I, I typically say I only care about boards. I You know, the USMLE, the complex specialty boards, subspecialty boards, uh, the NAVLE for veterinarians, the NAPLEX for PharmDs. That's the primary point of emphasis when I talk about test taking, but we do lay out a blueprint for those in the classroom years. I've given the, that blueprint to the pharmacy students up at your uh, your program and all of my med students uh, first, second years. We, we do lay out this blueprint for test taking. And that's what you've just, you've done a yeah. deep dive into the stat med test taking world, which I guess I just sort of taken for granted. You knew about all this stuff for the last 10 years, but you this is all
0: this degree of depth that you just you're climbing out of right now is all kind of new, right? Yes, very, very new. So you know, mm-hmm. as you pointed out we've we've known each other for ten or eleven years now, and uh, most of our conversations and interactions have really revolved around um you know study methodology and you know productivity management, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of my job in here at Notre Dame is as an academic coach. And to provide yeah. those types of services, you know, your methodology has been a real inspiration to me in terms of you know how I approach uh, helping struggling students academically, um, and right. um, you know also big also a big inspiration for my upcoming book that's going to be released this year. So, yeah, go um, ahead and I mean, give,
1: give us a little uh, a quick a quick we'll, yeah, we'll do a podcast uh, on that specifically, but go yeah, ahead and give a absolutely. quick little blurb on that.
0: Yeah, just very quickly, um, the book's titled Evidence-Based Learning Strategies for Pharmacy Students. It's going to be published through the American Pharmacists Association. Um, it's a book that's really written uh, in the for pharmacy students. A lot of the examples that I use and the context that I write about it, write in um, is pharmacy education related. But uh, I think it's very accessible to other types of of healthcare providers, and um, it's it's really it's really based around the book itself, and the the approaches are really based around evidence-based learning and study strategies that I, I pulled out of the literature um and that have been developed and studied by cognitive and educational psychologists. So really excited about that. Um, and yeah, I look forward amazing to talking to you about it when it when it comes out. Yes,
1: amazing accomplishment. And 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 you know just I would say anyone who has looked at like books like Make It Stick, which is if you're yeah. looking for like the singular best yes. book to read on on, on learning science. Read, read, make it stick. But I think what you've done is you then took a lot of those insights and lessons and aggregated, uh, you know, sets of information and operationalized it into yes, how to that's study. The big thing.
0: Yeah, right. It, it, I mean, you could talk about program. educational theory with students, but if they don't know how to apply it practically day to day, it's yep. it's not much use to them.
1: No, no. And I think that, that if it applies to a PharmD student, it would work for a med student. It yep. would work for physicians and, and people in related fields. So.
0: Anyway, yeah. now we're oh, turning yeah, the corner. Right? Yeah. So now Looking you know I I've, I've <laughs> I'm experiencing a whole different sta- side of the of the StatMed uh program here which has been yeah. fascinating. You you know you've talked to me on and off over the years about s- snippets and different little different components about what you do here um you, you know in your boards workshop class and how you teach students to approach you know, board style case vignette questions. And it's it's always been something that I've been interested in um, as an educator, right? Sure. Um, I've been in higher ed for 25 years. You know, I, I do a ton of exam question writing and administering yeah. exams and grading exams, helping students prepare for exams. So really seeing the approach that you've developed to help your medical students and clients to Navigate these types of board style questions. It's it's just it's just been amazing. I am blown away by the um, the thoughtfulness of this methodology, uh, the use of critical thinking skills. Uh, you know, you could just it just oozes out of this in terms of how do you, in a very stepwise, structured way, using critical thinking, logic, and rational rational thinking. And with just even partial knowledge of yeah. the topic that you're being tested on, you can get questions right that you normally wouldn't if you just started reading from the first line or sentence of the question and then go on to the answers A, B, C, D, and E, like most students do. Um, it's amazing. Um, in fact, well, I think I was even I was even telling you too um, as I was working through Unit Two, uh, and this is where you start to introduce how to actually use the method. And there's some practice case vignette questions. I I have a PhD in pharmacology, my undergraduate degree is in chemistry. So I'm not a medical provider. I'm not a physician. I'm not even a pharmacist. Um, the only medical healthcare provide uh, provider thing that I've ever done is I was an EMT and a combat medic um, for many years. But uh, but other than that, I really have no knowledge in that area. I was able to use the approach that you've developed to get the vast majority of those practice questions correct, just with partial knowledge. I'm familiar with you know some you know the some of the diseases or drugs and things like that that you introduced right. there. But to treat a patient, that's just not what I do. Um, and um, even if I didn't get the question right, I was usually able to narrow it down to two possible answers. and if I picked the wrong one, it was only because of my just my lack of knowledge um I, uh, you know, because I'm not a healthcare provider right. so well it was so it was a, an it answer. was a clean miss for me <laughs> when I missed those questions,
1: yeah, right. well, there's a lot
0: of things to respond
1: to on that, right? So yeah, right the boards <laughs> the board's workshop is a is our is what our is our that's our test taking. Uh, platform for the self-identified bad test taker at the medical boards level usmle COMLEX, navly naplex specialty board subspecialty board etc and the first two units are on demand i think they're about three hours combined maybe close to yes, four about hours three hours. Mm-hmm. three hours combined for unit one which is the process which is a meticulous granular step mm-hmm. by step by step process for reading the question i i, I you know, I'm a reading and learning specialist. I've never been in the shoes of the struggling test taker for their medical boards, but I have some weird powers of empathy. Uh, but I know what it's like to go to an expert and you can tell they know what they want you to do, but the way they communicate it to you is insufficient or incomplete. Yes. Um, you know, go to physical therapy. Like if I'm going to physical therapy after I had back surgery, I just felt like the stuff I was being given there were too many gaps and too many vagaries I wanted it meticulous so I tell yeah. I tell people I don't know if I say this in the video or not Jim I say if you're gonna do the board's workshop we're not gonna put we're not gonna fix your test taking like once I identify that they' they're a good fit mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go in and plug holes we're gonna I say we're gonna tear your system down to the wow. ground we're gonna bulldoze that sucker and rebuild in its place our very rigid
0: very meticulous system. Yeah, you know, it was, and it was interesting. I, I, you do say that at the beginning and I, you know, I don't know that I really fully internalized that until we started going through some of these practice questions, right? I, you know, you went through the whole process, very step-by-step, very detailed, yeah. but you know, it would made a lot of sense. It, it's not, it's not hard to understand, but That's what was rocket really, in, right. But what was really interesting was when I started to do the first practice question, I immediately caught myself reverting back to my old student mode where I started at the beginning. I had to remind myself each time, this is step one, this is step two. And when I did that, uh, I kept thinking to myself, holy smokes, if I had met you, you know, 30 years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) 30 30 years ago, we were probably both running close to being in Morgantown, West Virginia.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was, I was, yeah, oh, no, yeah no. I was, I was there. <laughs> I would not have been
1: of much help. I would not have been of much help,
0: uh, right, but you're right. right.
1: <laughs> a, a, a different version, of course.
0: Your current self 30 years ago, I current think I could have avoided a lot of, uh, of uh, 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 definite uh, difficulty.
1: Yeah. Well, case. that's, that's what a lot of people say. A lot of people are like, I wish I found Sorry. you sooner, but I'm like, look, we're making this up. We are building this, cutting this out of the whole cloth and it's from, from observing and, and you know, on the one side that like the, the, So, you know, the literature on learning, but,
0: you know, the literature on the test taking is not anything to write home about. This is like you can attest to uh, that, I think. It really isn't. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, from my approach to a a lot of these things. And it it, it comes because I'm an educator and a scientist. I'm trained as a scientist. I always want to go to the primary literature and see what's been done. Right. Where's the evidence? Um, Where does the, where do the studies point to? And, you know, we're not looking at single studies, a single study, but what do multiple studies over multiple years by different investigators, what does that tell us? That's when you tend to get the best answers. Um, And they're just, you know, with things like studying, right? You and I have talked about this in other podcasts, you know, evidence-based strategies like active recall or retrieval practice, interleaving, spacing, right? You know, those sorts of things, you know, a lot of good data for that. But with yeah. test taking, you know, as I'm going through this module, I'm looking and, you know, it's it, nobody's it's approaching fine. it that I can find yet that, you know, that um, in the way that you are. It's and I think, what, strange. yeah, and what really I, you know, what really strikes me about your methodology, too, is as I was experiencing it. I kept thinking of you know what, what you've been able to build here is is very much I think the approach that you took is very much like what the ancient greek philosophers did right when they <laughs> yeah. when they came up with atomic theory right there was no there was no science as we know it at that time but those folks were keen observers they used empiricism observing mm-hmm. the world around them they used logic philosophy in order to break things down and, and draw conclusions about natural phenomena, uh, And, you know, as science evolved over the centuries, we were able to prove and disprove some of that. Right. Um, and I think what you what's so brilliant about what you've done here, at least from my perspective, is that you've taken thousands and thousands of hours, right, of observing yeah. medical students taking tests, the types of mistakes that they make. You know, yep. and then and looking at questions, lots of board yep. style questions, and really logically rationalizing out the system. It it just it comes through very clearly when you're taking this course. Very yeah, yeah very really very codifying, codifying, codifying yeah. like these mistypes that that like that, that
1: occur. We say usually like the same like one bad test taker is probably gonna do three to five of the dozen or however many specific uh, types we've identified, and they're probably just doing them on an infinite loop because. Bad test taking is bad behavior. Like you said, you felt yourself being pulled back yeah. to your default settings. Those are going to be there. We have to tear those down through self reflection. Yep. And that builds what's called self monitoring. We don't even talk about that that much in the workshop, but that's what's happening. It is yep. behavior uh, modification. You can see it,
0: and I'm, I'm getting into that part now. And I think you you know you bring up something else that's really interesting too. You know, what is a bad test taker? You know, we as you because you mentioned that a lot, especially in mm-hmm. unit one. And I remember, yeah. you know, several days ago when I was going through that, I'm pausing, you know, I'm going on to PubMed, I'm going onto the internet, and I'm I'm typing in, you know, I'm trying to find is there any literature out there about what characterizes a bad testing or what characteristics do they have? You know, and there are papers out there that talk about people with test anxiety, which is a is a real thing. That's, right? the thing. that's very right? real, but that's right? a different it's a very, creature. It's a different it's a thing, different. right? They talk, mm-hmm. about, they, they talk about um, you know, poor study, you know exam yeah. preparation, right? right? Okay, well, we know that that's an issue, right? Yeah. But nobody that I've been able to find at this point has really – and maybe it's out there. I mean, to, to be fair, I haven't done an extensive literature right. search, but there aren't things popping up there that say these are the five or six bad behaviors that students engage in that cause them to miss questions when they shouldn't be. And, uh, yeah. and, and I think we, and we have what that. you guys have done through observation. You've seen it. And when you're talking about it again, I work with students every single day and I see yeah. them making these mistakes. So I you know, I know these from my own experience that what you're what you're saying really resonates and there's truth there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, you know, these and, and that's what happens. So you know, these first two units that you're sort of walking through, unit one is like the process. Then unit two is like the greatest hits, collecting those mistypes and you're modeling the behavior. You're giving feedback on decision-making and then the solutions that go with each of the mistakes. And then, then the back half, if you've gotten to that is where you take off your test taker hat and put on your test analyst hat. You Mm -hmm. take off the player hat and you put on the coach hat. So, you know, to, to, to really, you know, like uh, one of the other important things we want to think about is with the bad behavior is behavior change and deliberate practice. Talking about the literature.
0: Yeah. They, Deli- the how Harris. do we.
1: Yeah. How, yes. yes. Yeah. The Eric's stuff is, is seminal. It's, it's, it's at the heart of this. So to be to get like expert feedback for deliberate practice to really entrench the new skill acquisition and be able to show it on test day. Part of that is like you need experts sitting there beside you, giving you feedback the entire time. Well, we're not, right. we don't do that. We don't do that. That would be like months and months of us sitting on your on your shoulder. So my concern building this was how do we do that? So the idea is that we're teaching you to be your own coach. So it's like an, an expert emulator, like an old like a video game emulator. So they can use the process and use the tools. Because they can read the answer explanation, they know what's right and what's wrong, and they have these this very rigid process. They can train themselves with the expert yeah. emulator to get constant feedback yep. to to reinforce what's right versus what's wrong, and that's where the behavior change comes and entrenches it, it as as
0: as the as they move forward without us. And, yeah, and, that's, I mean, that's, that and that's the key. I mean, I really appreciate that, too, because as I was writing my book and the methodology that I lay out in my book, that was a big concern for me. Right. Thanks. You know, the students at my program here at Notre Dame, they have me to work with. I mean, they you know, yes. they can they can come and see me. We can work through some of these issues. But the book was really designed and written to help students that don't have uh, you right. know a learning specialist like yourself available or an academic coach or anybody that can help them through this and and they can act as their own coach by learning how to do different things. So that is another piece. I'm starting to get into that with your unit yeah. three here and I can see that's a really huge
1: no, it's yeah yeah that's that's where you take the exciting ideas and then you make them actionable and yep. and tangible and actually get these results. It's it's one thing to say you're going to change study method in the classroom years and yeah. That's that's a it's it's so much more multifactorial and you're 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 waging wars on multiple fronts against an enemy that's variable and changing with boards you you pretty much know what you're dealing with you know what they what they look like you you uh you can match the strategies right up against the construct of the specific board exam and train for that so that's mm-hmm. it's a different thing with the board's workshop now what we had a few things we run we wanted to talk about beyond like sort of getting a little bit more into test taking stuff, yeah um so we had, let's see, like the, well, I, you know, one thing you said was you were able to sort of narrow down to two, right? Yeah. And so that's what, So and, and that, that ties in with the definition of the bad test taker. Yeah. So a bad test, so the way I identify a bad test taker is usually in the interview process. And okay. I'm asking them, okay, you do a handful of questions. Now, this is at a board's prep level. You do a bunch of practice questions and you miss 10. 10 a nice round number. Um, so you do 20 30 40 questions you miss 10 and then you read the answer explanation for the 10 and you're trying to sort them into one of two categories so maybe each missed question is represented by like a poker chip on the table in front of us you read the answer explanation if you're if you're just gonna miss it just didn't know it didn't couldn't right. remember it never saw it had it encoded wrong that goes over here on the left on the knowledge stack i just didn't know enough fair the other side of that test taking this is where i narrow down the two not just narrow down the two and missed it but narrow down to two and realize i should have pick the right answer. Yeah. It's where I, I, I focused on one clue in the passage and didn't look at the other clues. This is where I made a prediction and that prediction rode me all the way to the wrong answer. Maybe I saw the wrong answer down there and, and shaped my reading. Yeah, to get that to happened it happened to me once on one of the questions. Yes, for sure. These things happen all the time. See, and, and so then, you know, if it's, if it's three, four, five, six, seven out of 10, I mean, obviously, I mean, once you're over three or four, you're a bad test taker. You're a bad test yeah. taker. 30 percent, 40 percent of your misses
0: are are avoidable, unforced errors. Right. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, it, you know, it, what I really, again, my when my experience and we're not I mean, the purpose of this isn't to get into the methodology, but you have a particular set of approaches or strategies that you can use when you get to a point where you think you've got two possible. Oh, a tie, break. Yeah, the tie, the tie break. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the methods that you you talk about, uh, you know, helped me. To you know, in some cases, break that tie and say, "Oh yeah, yes. okay." You know the, the you know this one's right, this one's wrong, um, because of this clue that I missed, or I went back up to the passage and really retriangulated my clues, or looked more closely at the prompt to make sure yep. that I was answering the right question, the specific question um, being asked, or
1: exactly. or it opened up a door to partial false instead of partial proof. Yes, true.
0: exactly. Again, Probably. my my struggle with these types of questions again is uh, I'm not a physician. I no. had never went to medical school, no. but I was just floored by the fact that wow, you know, just the just the methodology really helped structure. me to Yeah, the structure, right? Structure. The structure of the process really helped me to work through questions and it was fun. That was the other yeah. thing. I mean, again, I wasn't taking it to to get it's licensed or for a grade, but it was, you know, it was fun to do. It was like solving well, a puzzle. Well, I tell people that
1: reengineering your test taking can be very stressful because it's behavioral and we go against the grain of our behaviors. But it is ultimately for them, especially the bad. I mean, the truly bad test takers. It's invigorating. They might it say is. fun, but they're more likely going to say it's invigorating because I'm now that, but you know, the veil's been pulled back. They can see the hidden structure. They can see where their behaviors are on and see where they're off. They can never see the boundary lines. It's like they were playing basketball and they're a good basketball player, but everybody else sees the proper inbounds and out of bounds lines. And they're seeing like the in lines, like two feet narrower, like yeah. shorter and the out of bounds, like three feet wider. So people yeah, are getting so mad at because they're dribbling out of yeah. bounds or slapping the ball out of their hands when they think it's inbounds and it's out of bounds. It's like, it's maddening. So by adding structure and unlocking their ability, it, it's very gratifying. But you know, like I guess what I was trying to say was like not all tie breaks are test taking in nature. Like you said, sometimes you narrow down to two, and your knowledge. Oh yeah, and absolutely. And in the cases where I did that, I just I didn't have a I just yeah. didn't know. But that's I an important distinction. Whereas some people narrow down to two, and they're always pushing away from the right answer right and that gets into some of the methodology. So, you know, you and I you would have sort of identified a handful of things we were going to touch base on, talk about, and uh we haven't gotten there yet. So, let's talk a little bit about some of this. The first one was and this is going to br- open this up a little bit more than I usually go. I usually start talking about this at the medical boards level. Okay. But we're we're going to open this up a little bit and talk about like the didactic test taking.
0: Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the, the that's, really, that's really where
1: I'm that's I'm at. Yeah, this is where you live, and I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. So, talking about like the challenge of writing and plugging into good, clear, fair test questions for the student. So, you know, this is like in those first and second years when you're in yeah. the classroom years. What, you, I think, you want to talk just about some of that stuff, and then I was going to talk about my perspective on how we handle that because, of course, you're someone who's who's writing uh exams for first years and second yes. years and third year pharmacist students yeah and third year pharmacists. and then you know you're thinking about how can you help them how can you help your faculty peers write better questions what i say is these questions are usually they, they can be great all the way to to, to borderline crimes against humanity um <laughs> it, when you're in the classroom years okay and how do we because of course you're watching these videos and we should be it should also be noted he's texting me nonstop while he's watching these like yes what about this idea what about this idea and i'm like that's great (laughs) i mean that was great i love it but the thing he's like one of the things you texted me was like okay this is cool for um you know boards test takers but you you were asking me could this then be shaped to help test takers hack into bad uh like didactic
0: classroom exams. Yeah. I think that's what you asked, right? Yeah. So let me let what me. What was the motivation me, there? What were you thinking about? Yeah. That? Clear, so clear, first, clear let me, yeah. Wow. Let me. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna. What I'll do is maybe pull the curtain uh, aside a little bit and give everybody a peek again behind the curtain in terms of yeah, what goes yeah. on in faculty offices across the country. I'll apologize to my academic colleagues right up front, and and as I've always yeah. said, everything I'm gonna talk about, all the all the mistakes and horrors I'm going to talk about I be, I have been guilty of them myself okay yeah. um so I I'm I'm convicting myself of this right now writing good exam questions I have found is incredibly difficult okay yeah. uh, it is not an easy easy thing to do at all and um, it, But it's so critical because, you know, exams, as I've told you, and I, and I have um, some teaching fellows in a fellowship program that I work with, and I tell them this all the time, are that exams are artificial constructs. They are artificial things, tools that faculty create, okay, or educators create in order to hopefully measure a student's level of knowledge and skill, depending on what type of exam it is. And, you know, uh, as faculty, we hope that the tool that we create to measure that will give us accurate data. Okay. And there's a, you know, with today's exam computer exam software, uh, there's a these this, the software platform that we use at our school is ExamSoft, and you know we get a, a whole ton of statistics on our exams and how reproducible are the results and how discriminatory are the questions and things like that. So we get a lot of data that I didn't get when I started in my career many many years ago. Um, but what what oftentimes happens is that again faculty Don't usually get training in writing exam questions. Okay. I know I didn't. So I spent years writing exam questions that, you know, when I look back on them today after having some development in this area, I just cringe. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that to my students. Um, and, and so it's a, it's become a real passion of mine, um, to really, you know, make sure that, you know, when I'm creating an exam, that my exam questions are linked to learning objectives that we cover for each one of our lectures and that they, um, you know, that that they're all linked and that the exam questions themselves are distributed across Bloom's Taxonomy. So we don't have an exam where you have 50 questions and they're all at high level application, like third order questions, but they're a mix. Um, you know, th- one thing I was totally guilty of and your, your clients and your listeners may uh, can appreciate this is... I used to get into what I refer to now as Ernest Hemingway mode when I wrote an exam question. I would I would write these questions that were you know a paragraph long, right? And you get to the end and it's a there's there's the prompt and the question and then the four or five answers. And someone pointed it out to me at some point another fa- another colleague of mine and I learned it in development sessions. I didn't need the paragraph. All I needed yeah. was the prompt. You know, yeah. and I was just indulging myself in my writing, and it was making it very difficult for my students to navigate yeah. those questions, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. or, oh, absolutely. Right, or questions that are like double negatives. You know. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Terrible stuff. You know, just and we do it just because we want to try to make it challenging. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, there's probably some bi- weird like overcompensation because the answers are so obvious to the test designer.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're
1: so worried about making the question so ridiculously easy or so ridiculously obvious. That's probably
0: another factor that's sort of not spoken about. Oh, absolutely. I think you're right. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Right. Well, and and, and psychologists
1: do it. Oh, yeah. Well, these questions are a house of cards. Like if you make a valid question and Mm -hmm. if you get in there and you modify or miss mis encode like the wrong clue. You've now made two answers potentially right, right? Um, you know, or if you've the way you've written it, you allow room for wiggle room to to have a secondary option be a viable candidate. It's terrible stuff.
0: Um, yeah. And, so you, you talk know, about unfortunately yeah, for yeah. us, the statistics will tell us when that happens, and then again we can go back in and give partial credit or credit for two. You know, so we can we can adjust that on the back end, but optimally, it's always better to have a correct on the front end, right up front, oh, yeah. right. Yeah.
1: So you um, talk about the artificial construct of the exam, quite yeah. like these are artificial constructs. Do you what's your take on how do students interpret this con these constructs? Do you think that that the, the the test takers appreciate the artificiality of these constructs, or, or, or what do you think on that? I mean,
0: I, I think I think what we try to do is to make them as realistic and genuine as possible especially again I'm a scientist so and I teach in a in a health professions program so it's challenging for me to write science questions that are related clinically right but our yeah. clinical faculty members they can write case vignettes and we do have case clinical case vignettes you know on many of our exams and so they try to make it realistic but again if you've got a poorly written question, or for it, or you've got excess detail that's just not necessary for the exam taker to navigate, or um, if you've got um, if you use like slang terms, um, that's another one, or you know, extremely technical uh, vocabulary terms that people may not be familiar with, you know, it just throws people off. And then what you're getting is the people miss the question, and I know you. this resonates really well with you. I find that people miss questions not because they don't know the material, mm-hmm. but because of reading comprehension and their ability to navigate all this stuff. So I've worked really hard myself over the last five years or so to really tighten up my questions, especially if there are those binary types of questions where – you know, it's it, the answer is either it's just one answer and it's, you know, it's just right or wrong. Right. There's no need to really, you know, do any convoluted thinking or it's all well, about recalling facts and information. Yeah.
1: in, the, in this first word was. But here here's what I here's how I talk to my students and my my in my med students and my physicians about artificial constructs. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So this is for the bad test taker. Okay. These people, let's think like they're clinically, they, they're they outside of like the step one, level one. They're like in the clinic experience. Like I I, was, I just worked with a group of of pediatricians uh, and surgeons, and we were talking about this. Okay. And so they would get into, we're doing like a peds question. I was trying to remember what what the scenario was. It doesn't really matter. And they end up, it's the most appropriate next step in yep. management. Staircase. So, yeah, staircase <laughs> question. Okay. And they end up choosing the thing you would do higher up the staircase. Right. Not precisely next. Right. And so if you have a medical
0: treatment, right, with multiple steps, right, you got step yeah. one, step two, step mm-hmm. three. They're, they're, it, the question's asking if I'm understanding what you're saying for the step one in the treatment. And they are jumping to step three because yeah. they recognize it as an That's answer. Okay. And here's why. But here's why
1: they are trained to think clinically. This yep. is These texts, these, these questions are artificial constructs. They are two-dimensional constructs with the illusion of three-dimensional being three-dimensional, or maybe even four-dimensional if you want to add time continuum. Oh, I it. think, yeah, no, I think so. Right, it is. Because so what they're doing is they're trying to, okay, they, they meet the patient, the flesh and blood patient. They're collecting the history. They're putting all these very various streams and tributaries that are running into from this history into the – the construct that is the, the like in the real world of the patient, and then right. their brain starts building out the the, the the continuum of what they're going to do with that patient, and it's a multiversal because it's like if I get to this, then this; if I get right. to this, then I find out that. So they're thinking not just in a single linear progression moving forward, but with hypothetical branches branching off, and they're yeah, holding I mean- all of that in their head.
0: Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm saying there was a case question that you did just that illustrates, I think, that beautifully. Um, and I don't remember all the details, but it was a woman. You know, it was one of these practice questions. A woman yeah. who had just had a mastectomy oh, yeah. three days ago, right? Yeah. You know, and so she's gotten. She's You know, she's come in. She's hypotensive. You know, her heart rate's like one twelve. Right and and so and she's got this band you know the bandage where the the surgery was and yeah you know and I made a mistake here right so it yeah. asked what was you know she just presents to you what's the next step initial that, probably initial. you're talking about right yeah and the, the correct answer was to um you know remove the dressing to yeah. inspect the wound you know and I went right to start an IV you know give yeah. a bolus yeah. of fluid because the blood pressure was low and right. I'm sitting here thinking to myself you know. Probably what's realistically happening in an ER is that you've got somebody starting an IV. Yes, yes. While there's two or three things happening at once
1: yes. yes, there's two or three things happening at once.
0: Right, exactly. And so right, that's a perfect example of you know that clinical thinking and experience, right? I can yep. imagine.
1: Right? Oh yeah. But and so so the problem is for some of these bad test takers. Now good test takers like they're they're like clearly like this isn't even worth talking about. The good test taker can manage this. Remember yeah. this is a test taking is an act of reading. And so yep. when we read we deploy subconscious strategies subconsciously right subconscious strategies mm-hmm. deployed to meet the needs of the textual construct. The construct the build of these test questions are unique. You, we we need strategies to make the most out of these questions that we use nowhere else in life not even other multiple choice questions first order questions from undergrad or or grad school or something Mm -hmm. like that. And if you're deploying the wrong strategies, which are again subconscious, then that's where these things happen. So the problem is they are think that like they're the I mean, it is like a distortion of the prompt, the question being asked, but it's a little more it's a little more intertwined as well because it's 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 where rating and thinking are 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 crashing into each other. And they end up sort of not again, they're dancing down the timeline. And grabbing this thing that's not precisely anchored to the fixed point so they're building out what looks like a time imagine like a timeline of the 20th century yeah and then like in 1907 in, in 1984 it branches off like into different timelines like in like you know infinity war or, right or, or right, like, right. game like like it's branching out and okay this back happens to, this way <laughs> Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, I have, we have to think about which ones are like on the same timeline, which branch off into different branches. I have to think about that. But this is the thing. So they're thinking about that whole timeline they're building out with the possible multiple futures. But a test question is just asking for a single fixed point on that timeline. And if you can't identify that single fixed point, then who knows what you're going to do. And that's something that we have to sort. And, and that's very learnable. You can get people into shape on that. Yeah, I know and but so, I, I
0: can't I just can't imagine how difficult that's got to be for a practicing physician, you know, who mm-hmm. because when they're looking, like you said, when they're looking at this question or thinking about these questions, you're right. That's where my brain would go. Mm-hmm. What patients have I seen that looks like this? And then sure. I'm imagining or remembering what's going on versus approaching the question. From a very um, disconnected standpoint, it's building the
1: shield of neutrality. neutrality You can build all these things. And again, most physicians, most med students, most PharmDs, they just do this innately. So this is not a broad scale, broad spectrum solution. Like I understand that people might get tripped up here and there, but there are degrees of severity here. Like there are yeah. some people that would listen to this and be like, Oh yeah, like that's interesting. That would never happen to me. Some people might listen and be like, Oh, that sorta of happens to me. But there are other people who are like, This guy is in my head. He's speaking my reality. Yeah. He's speaking to my pain. Uh, he's speaking to my agony. And and there I mean, there there are scales to this and then and, and degrees of it. And and it's, but the good news is, it's totally learnable. I've met people where I'm oh, like, absolutely. this is never going to work. But all the stuff is eminently learnable, especially when it's embedded in a structure, when it's given context, when it's given rules, and feedback is built into it.
0: tuning in to this episode of the StatMed podcast next week ryan and dr Colhain will continue their conversation about test taking on medical boards and in the classroom if you like the show please be sure to rate it on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can find more test taking and studying strategies specifically designed for med students and physicians over at our blog on statmedlearning.com